Well, today we are wrapping up our organic outreach, sharing the best news ever sermon series. And I hope that this has been a good sermon series for you. And that doesn't mean that I hope you enjoyed it, okay? There's a difference between that, okay? I hope that this has been something that's been encouraging to you, that's been challenging to you. I hope it's something that that God has been able to stir within you to compel you to action, compel you to prayer. You remember we talked about the PDAs of sharing our faith, that that we are being a people that are praying for those around us to, to come to know Christ, that we're praying that God would do a work in us to prepare our hearts to share his good news. That we would be people that are displaying the goodness of God. We'd let his life and his spirit that's poured into us come out of us. That people see there's something different about us. Does that mean we're perfect? No. But it means that we are letting God display his goodness and his kindness, his generosity and his love in and through us. That we be people that are being available. That we're, not, that we're making sure that we have time in our life for those that don't know Jesus. That we don't just spend all of our time here in Christian community, which guess what? We, we love one another, right? This is awesome. We want to do this. So, so we want to do that. But we want to make sure that we are available to those around us that don't know Jesus and that we're people that are sharing. We're praying, displaying, being available and sharing our faith, sharing our testimonies. And this is not something that we go, okay, we did it, done, check it off, move on. Like This is something that God is calling us to do each and every day of our lives. This is a mission that God has given us as his people, not just as Skiff Lake Bible Church, but as his people called out to do his work. And so today we're talking about it's got to be global, okay? That the mission that God has given his church is local, Okay, y'all are called. You are now entering the mission field. If you live, yeah, amen, right? That's what she's saying, okay? I know that, okay? Preach it! Okay, there we go, I will. It's local, okay? We're all called to be missionaries in, in Jackson County. That's what we're called to do. It's also global because we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth, okay? Like Kathy was saying, the Maliali tribe in Papua New Guinea, there are new brothers and sisters there that it, just a week ago they heard the gospel of Jesus rising from the dead. They've been getting uh, the scriptures for a while, starting in Genesis and learning about it, learning about the, the man, the God-man, Jesus, the one who, who cut a new road for them. And they learned last week that he died. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And so the organic outreach has to be local and it has to be global. It's global. It's both. It's not either or. It's both and. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Today is kind of a little bit of a commissioning type service because guess what? Y'all are sent. We're sent with the gospel. Okay. And it's also the time that we're going to review a little bit how we give to support missions. The Lord has blessed Skiff Lake Bible Church uh, with the opportunity to partner with over 30 missionaries in eight different nations, okay? And it's been really cool, okay? For the last 30 plus years, almost half of the money that's come in to Skiff Lake Bible Church has been designated to go out to support missionaries that are working around the world or working in the United States to help those around the world. And we want to keep that going because we want more people like the Maliali who, who a couple of years ago didn't even know the name of Jesus to be able to become Christians. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how that works here at Skiff Lake Bible Church. We're going to talk about how evangelism is local. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Romans, okay? Also, if you're one of those people that uses the Bible app and you've been missing that, it is back today, okay? So 
I will do my best to keep that going, but it is there this morning if you use the Bible app to follow along. I know somebody asked me about that. Do you still do this? I'm like, uh, yes, I will. I appreciate that. All right, so Romans chapter 10. Okay, we're going to get a little bit of Paul's heart for his people. You see, I love the book of Romans. Okay, Romans is a book that a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He had never been to Rome before. It's a unique, uh, it's a unique letter. Because most of his letters are written to churches that he had planted. He knew the people there personally. He was kind of their father in the faith, so to speak. Now, he knew some of the people in Rome, but he had never been there. And he wanted to go there. So this book is him laying out his doctrine. This is what I've been teaching. This is what I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile, which is everybody else. And he lays out the gospel before them. This is what I've been preaching. I want to come to you. I've tried to come to you. I haven't been able to yet, but I'm planning to do so. And so we're picking up the letter after nine chapters of theology. Nine chapters of everybody needs a savior because everybody has sinned. Everybody's fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody can jump across the chasm of sin. And that sin, it means that we deserve to die. But thanks be to God that he sent Jesus to die in our place. When you put your faith in him, there's now no condemnation for you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He's been talking about that for eight, nine chapters And he's talking about God has sent him to be a light to the Gentiles. But in the midst of that, as God's called him to the Gentiles, he still has this heart that his brothers and sisters in in the Jewish faith, his fellow Israelites, would know Jesus. So let's get a little bit from the Apostle Paul. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So he says, look, I've been called to go to the Gentiles. I have this heart for my own people that they may know God because guess what? They're zealous. They're zealous for God. They have a bubble boiling inside of them for God, but it's not based on knowledge because they don't understand where real righteousness comes from. They can do their very best to keep the law, but it's not good enough. You know, like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, right? It's not just if you commit adultery, but it's if you look and lust at a woman. That's the sin. It's not just if you commit murder. It's if you're angry at somebody. It's not just what you do. It's a heart thing. We all deal with it. They can't be righteous. They're trying to be righteous on their own by keeping the law, but but they missed it. They're zealous for God, but they don't have the knowledge that they need because Christ is the end of the law, he says. So that, and and not just the end, like, oh, it's done, but he's the completion of it. In Christ, the law is completed. So there may be righteousness for who? Everyone who believes. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Verse five. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. So in the law, it was taught, how are you righteous, so to speak? You do the law, you keep the law, that's how you get righteousness, so to speak. But the righteousness that is by faith says this. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? That's to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That's to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? Get this. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we're proclaiming. Get this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. You agree with that truth and you declare it. Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What's the next couple words there? 
you will be saved. Not you might be saved. Look, when you come to realize that Jesus is the Lord, he's the creator of everything, he died in your place, in my place, and that his death is enough to cover all of your sin. And you don't have to understand how that all works, but to know that God in the flesh. One, one pastor kind of put it like this, like, what could be more precious than the life of God's son? And he gave that up for you and for me. That death functions as payment for all of our sins. Because he's more precious than anything. And when you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the good news of the gospel that the world needs to hear. This was near and dear to Paul's heart. He wanted his fellow brothers and sisters of the Israelites to know righteousness does not come from how they live. But it comes from believing in Jesus. Verse 10. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Praise the Lord. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, he's not just making this up, this new thing that came after Jesus. If you look in the Old Testament, the the Israelites were supposed to know God and, and be able to know how to relate to him, that they may be a light to the Gentiles, that everybody would be able to be welcomed into the family. So he says, look, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, okay? So that means it doesn't matter if you're from the family of Abraham, which was God's chosen people, or if you're everybody else. That's what that word Gentile means, everybody else, okay? It literally means nations. It's a word ethnos. In the Greek, everybody, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody who puts their faith in Jesus, that's where righteousness comes from. And we say, amen, that's the good news. Preach it, Paul. And then he's going to get a little personal. How then can they call on one they've not believed in? How, they, how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Because we say, amen, Paul. Yes, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he kind of twists it and makes it a little bit personal. How can they call on one if they don't believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard? How can they hear if nobody preaches? How can someone preach unless they're sent? Y'all are sent. We all are sent. We've been commissioned. Do you know why Jesus came to this earth? We're going to celebrate Christmas soon. I know it's Thanksgiving first, okay? And we're going to be thankful. And we're going to have turkey and all that stuff, right? We're packing Thanksgiving baskets. It looks like Christmas outside, right? Why did Jesus come? Luke 19.10 says this. Jesus says this. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Romans fifteen, eight through nine. 
For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promise made to the patriarchs, that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it's written, and he's going to quote some Old Testament verses. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you people. And again, okay, he's getting into his Old Testament. Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations, and the Gentiles will hope in him. Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and save what was lost. He came to rescue those who need to be rescued. That salvation is for everyone. And again, these words here, okay, Gentiles, it's the nations. That means everybody who was not God's chosen people, the Israelites. Everybody in the whole world. The gospel is meant for everybody. John Piper said this. The purpose of Christ's coming is that all the peoples of the earth might glorify God for his mercy. And what is this mercy? Simply, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Putting it all together then, God sent his Son into the world to save sinners from every nation so they would glorify him for his mercy. Because what does the end look like? Revelation chapter 7 After this, John says, I looked and before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne in front of the lamb. They were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in your hands and they were crying out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Every people, every tribe, every tongue. Christ came to seek and save the lost. And amen, because I needed that, because I was lost. This is why Christ has come into the world. And guess what? The work is not yet completed. And he's given us the commission to finish the work. Do you get that? This is why Christ came, to seek and save the lost. And he started it. And he gave it to you and you and you and me and his people to finish it. And I'm not making that up, right? Because you all are sent. We all are sent. Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Paul reflects this. God was reconciling the world to himself. He was calling the world that had been his enemy his friend. How was he doing that? Not counting men's sins against him. Not counting all the things that keep us separated from God against us. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Get this. I know we've preached this before. But I wanted to sink in. As though God were making his appeal through us. Imagine that. God has a message. He has this appeal. We urge you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God says, I love you. I've made a way to save you. Believe in me. Trust me. I've done it. Come and have life. And he says, Jason, I'm making my appeal through you. Carl, through you. Dave, through you, right? That's what he's saying. That's a weighty calling. We've been commissioned. We've been sent. 
when we leave this place, we enter the mission field. There are people all around us that don't know Christ. They've heard his name. Maybe they know a little bit about him, but often what people know is a caricature of the truth. And God wants to use you and me that they may know him because you see it's got to be local. It's got to be local. We'll call, we are called to be missionaries. So how do we do this, okay? Number one, pursue the fire. How do we do that? How do you most connect with the love of God? Because you see, if we're going to be missionaries here and send missionaries out, it's going to be God's love that compels us. So how can we sit in the warming fire of God's love that we know his love and it compels us to want to share his love with others? How is that for you? We're all different in that. Some of you really love to get into Bible study and in God's word. Some of you love to sing hymns or sing worship songs. Some of you, you love the community. What is it that lights your fire of God's love so that it can explode out to those around you? Number two, plan your personal strategy. I, I want to read a little bit from a sermon from John Piper. And this sermon is actually from before I was born, okay? But it resonated with me. And it challenged me. And this is what he says about planning your personal strategy. We're all different and none of that is accidental. All of your inferiorities and superiorities fit, fit you to make a contribution to be an ambassador for Christ. A missionary here in Jackson, I added that part, that no one else can make. But it won't happen if you don't plan. Get yourself a dream team to brainstorm with you about what strategies are just for you. Think about every part of your life and ask, how should my commitment to live the missionary life affect what I wear and eat, what I do for recreation, what I read, what I watch on TV, where I buy a house, what job I take, what groups I belong to, how I pray with my children, which way I walk to the store. It is far too vague to simply say I live for the glory of God. All of us need a more specific integrating vision for our lives streamlining and strategizing how to be uniquely you in personal witness in frontier missions will provide very specific direction for your life and bring more glory to God than any other integrating vision. I'm sure some of you feel like saying, you talk like we're all spiritual thoroughbreds, raring to break out of the box and run for Jesus with all our might. If you knew the mess my life and my family were in, you wouldn't call us to the front lines of battle. You'd take us to the infirmary. You may be right, he says. The healing, nurturing role of Christian community is very, very important. But I want you to consider a possibility. Could it be that part of the reason you and your family are in such a mess is because your life is lacking a noble adventure? You don't have a cause big enough to live for. You go through your daily routine. It all seems so unimportant in terms of what really counts. And so you feel frustrated, often guilty and fearful, then irritable. And life is an ever downward spiral of boredom, meaninglessness, and petty problems. Could it be that the infirmary you need is the front lines? Or at least a plan and a strategy so that you can see more and more of your life as essential support and backup for the front lines? I really believe that more family and personal problems than we imagine would be healed indirectly if individuals and families turn outward and threw themselves into the greatest cause in the history of the world. I don't know about you, but that was challenging for me. What's your plan? How do we not merely shadow box, right? The Apostle Paul said, I'm not shadow boxing. I beat my body. Now he's not whipping himself, but I, I'm, I'm intentional in how I live. To be a praying, displaying, being available, sharing Christian. This is how we're called to be a missionary here in Jackson County. And like I said, we've, we've talked about 
some of the, the PDAs, praying, displaying, being available, and sharing. Another aspect of it is how are we putting ourselves in a place to interact with those that are not Christians? And there can be so many different ways. It's sometimes it's while you're shopping. Maybe it's playing racquetball at the Y, or it's when you're going to a grandkid's game. Who are you interacting with? But how are we putting ourselves in a place where we're around people that don't know Jesus? Because you see, y'all are sent. We all are sent here. It's got to be local, local and global. Again, Romans 10. How can they call on one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There are people in your life that God wants to use you to bring the good news to them. You're sent. We're commissioned. We're sent. Now, it's got to be global. So it's local and it's global. When I was in college, we read a book called Spirit of the Rainforest. And it was a book about a tribe in the Amazon called the Yanomamo people, okay? And it was really impactful for me to read this book. And it's interesting uh, coming here now because we have missionaries that have ministered to people groups in this area. And the whole book is about, I'll give you, uh, you know, it's the ending, so plug your ears if you're going to read it. It's about how a witch doctor, a shaman in that tribe becomes a Christian because a missionary came in to share the good news with them. But here's what life was like before that. It was full of fear and dread because they knew about all these spirits that interacted in the world. There were good spirits and bad spirits, so to speak, because there were spirits that were harmful to them and spirits that seemed to help them out. But, but sometimes those same spirits that helped them out were also the ones that killed them if they didn't do everything right and everything like that. They knew that there was, a, there was this big spirit, a crater spirit. But the place that he lived was too hot and too bright. Nobody could go there. And they thought that he ate the souls of children because they believed that when a child died, their, that child's soul went to that kingdom of that crater being who lived in a place that was too bright and too hot for anybody to go to. That was their reality. Appeasing spirits. Until the spirits were done with him. He's a witch doctor. So he has these evil spirits living in him. That he's trying to appease and do this. And when the spirits were done with the witch doctor, the witch doctor would be killed. That was life. And when a missionary came in and shared the gospel with them, and it, it, it doesn't take that. It's time. You've got to learn the language. You've got to understand the culture. You don't know how to say hi to them. How can you tell them about Jesus and the gospel? But when that happened, they realized that this creator spirit that they knew about, but they couldn't get to, they realized that he had sent his son Jesus to take away their sin so they could enter into the presence of the one who alone lives in the glorious light. And life was completely different because they didn't have to live with that fear anymore of trying to appease all the spirits and everything like that. That's why at Skiff, it's important to us that mission and evangelism is global. It's local, it's global. Because there's people that don't know, they never heard the name of Jesus Christ. When uh, um, Steve Sanford, I believe, was here in the summer, he, he gave this statistic. There is 1,892 people groups 
that do not have a single verse of the Bible in their language. Almost 2,000, not people, people groups, entire language families that don't have one scripture in their language. There are 3,177 unengaged people groups that there's no Christian influence. There's 0% Christians. There's not even a movement for planning a church. And our mission focus is to be local and to be global. We've talked a little bit about how it's local the last month and a half, okay? Some of those things, pursuing the fire, right? Making a strategic plan. How is it global? It's global at SCIF as we give to send. That's how we do it, okay? Unless you are going to go to Papua New Guinea or Venezuela or somewhere else, and God may be calling you to do that. To be a missionary, to go out, to learn the language. It takes five years almost, maybe, to learn the language when you get out in the bush. Plus the four years of training before that, before you're even ready to share the gospel. If God calls you to do that, do that. Because the missionary life is local and global. If God has not called you to go and do that, then guess what? We give to send and support. That's what we do. That's how we connect with the global mission field. We live the local, we send the global. Unless you're one of those sent ones. In your bulletin, uh, there's a little piece of paper in there, okay? This is how we support our missionaries. You can find it in there, okay? It's a faith promise, okay? Now, if you've been here for a long time, you know what this is. If you haven't been here, I want to explain this to you because this was new to me last year. Skiff is a little bit different in how we give mission money. Or global missions. We do not take a percentage of our general budget and designate it to missions. Like 10%, 15 20%. We don't do that. What we do is we encourage everybody here to seek what would God have me give toward global missions. And this is what we do. If you are new here, if you've never done this, what we would say is what you normally give to the church... On a yearly basis, however many times you give it, every week, every month, every other week, whatever, take that and divide it in half. Half of it, let it be regular offering. The other half of it, designate it on the check or the envelope or whatever to to our missions. And here's the thing. As we've done that, before I've been here, we have seen missions giving go up and we've seen general budget go up. Because this is a church where we say we want to be about organic outreach, local and global. So here's a challenge that I have for you. There's that little card there. It's your faith promise card. What do you normally give to missions there? Okay? And take some time. You You don't have to turn it in today. But take some time to prayerfully go, God, what have I given last year and what do you want me to give this year? And if you're brand new to like designating money for your offering just take the amount from the last year divide it in half and say i'm going to give this percentage this amount over the course of the year to missions now when you do that you don't have to put your name on it that's not what it's about this is saying god i want to give to be a blessing to those around the world i want to give to support missionaries so people like the maliali and like the mako and the deningat and different people can know you for the very first time And if this is something that you've done in the past, then the challenge is, how does God want you to increase that? And we've got more scripture to cover. Maybe we'll cover it at a different time because guess what? Church is almost over, right? 
So I'll, I'll give you some of those scriptures, but here's some of the principles. And we talked about it last year at this time. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. He fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Okay? He could have just as easily taken a stone, turned it into bread, and started breaking that and handing it out. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. That's what it is. Some of the scriptures we're going to look at talk about God loves a cheerful giver. He says when you give, let it, ask God, what do you want me to give? And then you give according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. It's not about the amount. It's about saying, God, you've blessed me. I want to be a blessing. What do you want me to give? And then you do it. And the scripture says, look, you know that verse, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You know that verse? Okay, you know the verse about, um, about God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus? God will meet all my needs. That verse, God will meet all my needs, it's right in the context of as we give, it's a fragrant offering, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God wants your heart. He doesn't need your money. But you know what? Sometimes how we spend this stuff shows where our heart is, right? Right? And I've got to preach to myself when I say that, right? Right? So what does all this mean for us? And if you want to dig through all these scriptures with me, we can do that. Or you can watch um, last year's sermon where I talked about this a lot. Yes, sometimes we re-go over things. So what? We've been commissioned. Pursue the fire, the fire of God's love. Plan your personal strategy. How are you going to, like Paul say, I became all things to all people so that by all means I might win some and give? Prayerfully seek what God desires you to give to send and support missionaries this upcoming year. And if you have questions about the faith promise and the giving and all that, talk to myself, talk to one of the elders. We'd be glad to be able to share about how this happens. But um, I remember one of my first Sundays here, Dr. Clark talked about how how much money this church had been able to give to our missions in the last 30 years. And I think it was, I don't remember, Carl, if it was like a half million or a million dollars, something like that, which I know that's a, huh? Half million dollars, okay? From, I mean, like, we don't have thousands of people here. And then it's not to be like, oh, look at us. God works, God moves. And I want to end uh, this portion by showing a video. Uh, this tribe is the Hewa tribe. This, I, I don't believe this is one of the, tribes that any missionary that we support is working at but it gives you a little bit of what what the fruit of our giving is so um let's go ahead and watch this and maybe we can take some of these lights down us in the valley live the Kimio spirits that we fear. My father taught us that the evil spirits are alive and living all around us. So we build our houses high in the mountains. We don't want the spirits to look into the house and see us and bring sickness. So we line our house with bark on the inside. If we hunt in the valley, we return quickly and always take a dog with us to protect us from the spirits. Be careful, 
my father would say. So the spirits don't teach you. We didn't understand the reason for death, and so we lived in fear. My father, Alimbu, killed many people that he thought had evil spirits living in them. He believed that these people were the cause of the sickness and death, and so he killed them. I followed the same dark trail. When we found out the tragic custom of, uh, of the Hewa people, how they murder their own people, they believe that there's evil spirits inside of some of these women and children, and so they believe that the only way to get rid of an evil spirit is to go and kill that woman or children. When we found out those things, we were just torn to the heart. Couldn't believe it. How could they just go and kill, brutally kill their own people like that? It tore us up. And we thought, what are we doing here? Why are we even here? We're in this culture, this self-destruct culture, where it's never going to change. After a while, we realized their plight and our sadness for their plight, our pity for them, wasn't enough to keep us there. It had to be something that God did in our lives, a special love. It's Christ's love that compels us. His love for us is forgiveness for us, and then also realizing he's got that same love that he wants to offer to these Hewa people. God's Spirit came and helped my heart to think. I realized that I had been living in darkness. My eyes were blinded, my mouth unable to speak truth, and my heart was blocked from understanding. I was trapped like on a pig roll, tied by Satan to my ancestors' trail. Jonathan cleared a new trail for me to follow, but it was truly Jesus who came to rescue me. When I understood the message of Jesus and how he died, it was like Jesus came and cut the rope that was tying me. I was free, free to follow his trail. I now understand that there is no other trail but the trail of Jesus. And oh my word, when they catch that, when they see how much Christ has loved them, so much that he would pay their ransom, pay their punishment, take care of their sin debt. When they catch that and understand the incredibleness of Christ's love, that's all they want to talk about. Oftentimes, oftentimes, when we come to church and they're the ones that are teaching the word, one of their very favorite passages is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They realize this is incredible. This love of God is incredible. The spirits never loved us. We had to spend our, our lives placating, appeasing, manipulating spirits to try to stay alive, to try to exist. Our spirits never loved us. They were just making fun of us. They were just killing us. God loves us. When they caught that, it was an amazing truth to them, and they latched onto it. So we're going to end with this before we pray and, and are dismissed. Outreach is global. It's global and it's local. In the bulletin there, uh, there's a handout that has a little bit more about some of the things I shared about our faith giving. So some of the details are in there. We're hoping to collect all those uh, by December 18th. So our mission team uh, has a budget to work for as we seek how are we supporting these missionaries uh, that we're sending out around the world. And then the last thing is it, it's global and it's local. 
You see, they got there and they encountered the tribe and they saw these horrendous things that they were doing in their culture. And they said, it's got to be the love of God that compels us to stay. And you know what? I think we can look at our American culture and, and I think we need that same love to look at our neighbors and we see the things that they were doing and we can be just as aghast. I can't believe it. We need God's love to compel us to minister to those people because it's global and it's local. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you came to save a sinner like me, like us, Lord. We, we just thank you. God, will you equip us by your spirit to live the missionary life here? And God, will you make us generous to be able to send out missionaries to those around the world that have never heard your name? God, I pray you will bust down barriers that Satan wants to put up in people's lives. Lord, we pray for the Mali Ali. Strengthen those new believers in their faith. Bring others to a saving faith in you. We love you, Lord. We, we worship you. You're so good and mighty and strong and true. Show us what you have for us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.